for centuries it has worked. It always seems to work. Cheese and mice. The temptation is often too great to pass by, and as good as the cheese looks, cheese in the wrong environment can be deadly. For the mouse, that is. You see, cheese is not everyone's best friend. But the truth is, temptation looks different for many of us here. Whether it's cheese, cake, cookie, or even a waffle, temptation is different for every one of us at times. But the truth is, temptation's real. Temptation can be a trap. As beautiful as something may look, if you don't understand what's going on, it can catch you. It can destroy you. It can really hurt you and mess you up for some time. Temptation, though, is not something you will outgrow. Sometimes we wonder, is there a level in my spiritual maturity that I can reach where I'm going to be beyond temptation? I'm going to rise above the pull of temptation. The news is no. You will never reach that spiritual plateau that you are out of the reach of temptation because temptation is not something you outgrow. Temptation is something you overcome. You see, as believers, we know there's a difference between temptation and trials. Temptations come from Satan to make us sin. But trials come from God to help us grow. And we're going to look at James chapter 1 tonight. We're going to work our way through probably from verse 2 to 18. But let's begin with James chapter 1 verse 2. And he writes, My brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation. Now, this verse can be a little confusing because you have to ask yourself, why would you count it all joy to fall into different types of temptation? That doesn't make sense as a believer. Yes, another temptation. And the guilt rises and you feel shame and regret? No. So this verse can be a little confusing until you understand that in the original language, it's the same word, but in the English language, it can be translated as temptation or trial. And so it's only the context of the verse sometimes which tells you the meaning that you are to assign to that verse. So even though you're reading temptation, you read the context and that's going to tell you whether that's actually a trial from God to help you grow or it's a temptation from the devil to make you sin. And when you look at the context of this verse in James chapter 1 verse 2, you will quickly see it's not talking about temptations that cause us to sin, but rather it is trials that help us to grow. Looking at verse 3 and 4, James says, Knowing this, 
that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So we understand that this is a trial that helps us grow and mature so we can reach a place of completion and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. When we fall into trials, we are to count it all joy. But when we fall into temptation, we are to renounce it. We are to reject it. We are to refuse it because it's not there to build us up. It's going to tear us down. Temptations do not come from God. James talks about temptations in verse 13 and 14. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Temptations and trials may look the same on the outside, but their purposes are not the same. You see, for the men here and the women that like vehicles, when Satan tempts you, it's like a Ford technician running different tests on Dodge vehicles. The purpose of the testing is to bring out all the bad traits in the Dodge vehicles. But when God tests you, it's like Ford running tests on their own vehicles. You see, here the motivation is to bring out all the good qualities within their vehicles and why you should buy their cars. Satan tempts us to bring out the bad. But God tests us to bring out the good. Although sometimes you'll read, yeah, this is hard, and on the outside, temptations and trials can look the same, but their purposes are completely different. One is to build us up, the other is to tear us down. One comes from God, the other is coming from the enemy. And after reading that God tempts no man, James continues in verse 15 by saying, Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Knowing the devastation that comes from yielding to temptation, giving in to temptation, knowing that it brings destruction and devastation, James then offers five principles to believers to help us overcome temptation. And I want to work through five principles that will help us as believers overcome temptation. Because as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to be tempted. It's not going away. We can't speak in tongues long enough to over or to, to rise above temptation, it's there. So how do we overcome temptation? Principle number one, acknowledge the reality of temptation. We will be tempted. 
The kinds of temptation may change. Cookies for kids, sensuality for the young, riches for the middle-aged, power for the aging. We will be tempted continuously. And during times of crisis, we will be tempted fiercely. Jesus himself was tempted, the Bible says, in all points like as we are, yet without sin. When you start to think about this, something just dawned on me a few days ago, and honestly, it, it, it shook me to think of this. I'm like, what? Because I was thinking about this verse in Hebrews 4.15, Jesus was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. That means Jesus was tempted to commit adultery, to lie, to cheat, to steal, to kill, and on and on the list go. That kind of messed with my brain for a few minutes. I'm like, what? Yes, he was, yet without sin. It was our Savior's experience to be tempted, and it will be ours as well. As long as we live, we will be tempted. In his book, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do, there's a tongue twister, Dr. David Jeremiah writes, Unless we acknowledge the reality of temptation, we have programmed our spiritual lives for failure. Because if we think, if, if, if I can just pray longer, if I could just read a few more scriptures, I'm, no, you are setting yourself up for destruction to think that you can reach a place in temptation, it, it won't affect you. It's really not reality. Yes, it is. It's real and it's there. The Apostle Paul agrees temptation is not something that should be considered out of the ordinary for believers when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Aren't you glad God's faithful? We may mess up sometimes. We may make mistakes. We may disappoint God, but he remains faithful. Who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You see, temptation comes from God, but when it comes, it's not a temptation, it's a trial. Because trials come from God to what? Build you up. A true temptation comes from the devil to make you sin and to actually bring out the bad in you. So God says, look, when it is a temptation, when the devil's trying to bring out the bad points, when the devil's trying to make you sin, God says, if you'll just pause long enough and you'll understand these principles and work through them, I'm always going to have an escape door. There's always going to be an escape route. You don't have to give in to the temptation. There's going to be a way out. This brings us to the second principle that's very important. 
you must assume the responsibility for temptation. As humans, we like to shift the blame <laughs> to someone else or to some external circumstance. You know, it really wasn't my fault. I mean, if that hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have done that. But this shifting the blame to someone else or to an external circumstance, that's nothing new. That goes all the way back to our first parents in the Garden of Eden. You read of it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12 to 13. Adam and Eve did not want to assume the responsibility for temptation. Adam says to God, the woman that you gave me, I didn't ask for her. You gave her to me and she gave me of the tree to eat. It's not my fault. And then God turns and he says to the woman, what is this that you have done? And she's like, what do I do? Oh, well, she says, the serpent beguiled me. What was I to do? He deceived me and I ate it before I knew what I was enjoying. I wasn't enjoying it. I was yes, you were. You were enjoying it because sin is good for a season. That's what the Bible says. The pleasure of sin is good for a season, but then... The pleasure turns to pain. What you thought was good, all of a sudden it becomes bad. It spoils and you're left alone with shame, regrets. If only I could do over. And as believers, if we're going to overcome temptation, we must assume the responsibility for temptation. Remembering that God does not tempt us. We are drawn away by our own lust and enticed. And so knowing that, one, we have to acknowledge the reality of temptation. It's real. We've got to assume the responsibility for temptation. I can't blame anybody else. If that's true, then I need to understand principle number three, and that is anticipate the routine of temptation. You need to understand that temptation is not an event, it is a process. Look at the one beside you and tell them, temptation is not an event, it is a process. If you keep staring at one cookie, mm, some of you already know where I'm going, because you're there, you will end up eating more than one cookie. <laughs> you see, people don't live moral lives one day and then wake up and have an affair the next day. It may look like it happened overnight, but it was a process. You see, oftentimes the process is overlooked because some of the stages are not obvious to us as observers. But it's very important for us to recognize danger signs early so we don't become victimized by the process. Let's just stay on the cookies for a few more moments. If you love cookies, anyone here, you know, yeah, I mean, this is good. We're just being real. There's some cookie lovers here. 
If you love cookies, but you just can't stop yourself from eating cookies until the plate is empty or until you're looking at the bottom of the bag, then you know what? You're probably better off not taking that first bite. I know that sounds rough, but you're just probably better off not taking that first cookie. You see, some steps on the road to immorality are not wrong in and of themselves. Yet those very steps may be the first cookie for that person. It may be the first bite for you, and you just can't stop yourself. So you've got to anticipate the routine of temptation. It's a process. It's actually a cycle. And the devil has been using it since the temptation in the Garden of Eden. I want to just give you four steps to this move or digression, if you will, to yield to temptation. You've got to understand the routine of temptation. It starts with enticement. Then it goes to entrapment. Then endorsement. Then enslavement. But you don't go from enticement to enslavement like that. No, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But repeat these four words after me. Enticement. Entrapment, endorsement, enslavement. Let's talk about step one, enticement. Desires are all right if they are in the proper place and under control. Satan wants to take normal desires and turn them into obsessive desires. You see, obsessions with good things create bad things. Your response to temptation is determined by what is in your heart. Jesus explains in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, which is lustful desires or indecent behaviors. Paul, or Mark here, is writing, recording the words of Jesus. He's saying, all these evil things and more, they come from within our heart, and they defile the man. You see, what is on the inside responds to the activities around us. Said another way, your inward desires respond to outward temptations. Now, I, I took piano lessons when I was young. You will never know it, I promise you. Not, no fault of my mom. I like broke the line. My great-grandmother played, my grandmother played, my mother played, Nick doesn't play. <laughs> oh, I played as long as it was a football, a hockey stick with a puck, basketball, but this, what in the world? Why, why would I stay in this? Now I wish I had it, but I didn't. 
but I know a little bit about pianos. So I want you to just imagine with me just one of those pianos, not a baby grand, but you know the piano with the three pedals and you can open the top and look at the keys if you want. So just imagine in your mind a piano and open the top of the piano. Press that loud pedal that really makes the key louder and last longer. So just push that and then sing a note into the piano as loudly as you can. And stop and listen. Something amazing will take place. You will hear at least one chord vibrating in response to the note you sang. You sing, and a string in the piano picks up your voice and plays it back. It's vibrating. This, to me, is a good word picture of how temptation works. Satan calls, and you vibrate. The vibration is the lust or the desires that James speaks of. Your desire is to continue responding to the call, to continue to respond to that voice. And the truth is there's nothing bad about vibrating. The cord was made to vibrate and to vibrate powerfully. But it was meant to vibrate in response to a hammer, not in response to a voice. So when temptation comes calling, the right response is not to vibrate to the voice of the devil, but to release that loud pedal. Take your foot off that loud pedal, close the top of the piano, and walk away. <laughs> so now you can respond in the right way for the right reasons. The devil tempts you first by enticement. Then the second step is entrapment. If he can get you to respond, vibrate, respond to the call, then he starts to build, draw you into the trap. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Your unchecked desires or lusts begin to draw you away and entice you. A trap is being set, but you do not see it because you were only focused on fulfilling your desires. The longer you allow the wrong voices to create vibrations within you, you are drawn closer to the trap. And before you know it, entrapment takes place. Now this naturally leads to the next step in the process of temptation, and that is endorsement. And you wake up thinking, how in the world did I get here? How come I'm doing this? I know better than this. It was a process. You didn't wake up there. You were enticed. You were entrapped. Now there's endorsement. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now, the illustration that's being created for us here is that of a pregnant woman. 
of which I confess I know very little of. However, I tried to be a good husband with my wife and said, my goodness, you're way stronger than I'll ever be. God bless you. But you know, when it comes to conception, what James is wanting us to understand here is when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. So sin is when your lust and and your will come together. So when your will and lust are joined together, you have sin. Sin is disobedience to God's word, and it's just giving in to your own will and lust coming together, and it's going to produce something. Conception is going to take place. But it's interesting when you think through this for a little bit, just as human conception starts a process that results in childbirth, temptation, when it is entertained and embraced, it will lead to an inevitable outcome. James lets us know that the child born to temptation is sin. It's inevitable. Now, in the same way that a child is a person before he or she is even born, in the same way sin is present in the heart before it ever gives evidence that it is there. The conception of the sin and the discovery of the sin may be many months apart, but the process has been set in motion. And there will be the endorsement And then there's only one step left, and that is enslavement. Finding yourself repeatedly doing what you know you shouldn't be doing. And you're like, God, I'm sorry, I don't want to be doing this. I know better than this. Yeah, but there's been this digression. There's been this process that you've been going through, and now there's enslavement. You've been enticed. You've been lured into a trap. You've endorsed it, and now the fourth step has taken place, and you're enslaved. The last part of James chapter 1, verse 5, reveals that the end result of sin is death. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. We all have the power of choice. That is an incredible gift that God has given us. But because we have the power of choice, we have the choice to do what is right. We have the choice to do what is wrong. And you are free to choose your actions, but you're not free to choose the results. You're free to make choices, but you are not free from the consequences of those choices. And you have no control over the consequences of those choices. So to overcome temptation, to be set free from this trap, you must anticipate the routine of temptation and then practice the fourth principle, which is activate the replacement of temptation. As good as it looks and as good as it tastes 
and you're enjoying a mouthful and your hands are full and you think you're in heaven, after a while you're going to get a bellyache. <laughs> so you've got to activate the replacement of temptation. You see, it's not enough to resist temptation. You, you can't just grit your teeth and say, I'm not going to give in to temptation. Meanwhile, you're looking right at it. It's not enough to resist temptation. You have to replace temptation. You have to refocus what you're looking at. The more, you know this, the more you fight a feeling, the more it grabs hold of you. So then you must refocus. And James does this here. He's been talking about temptation and that it's not good and that the end result of temptation is sin. That's the child that's born from it. And then he changes. He refocuses. And in verse 17, notice the shift. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. This verse changes the focus of James' discussion concerning temptation. James now focuses on God's goodness. And he says the good and the perfect gifts that come down from the Father of lights. Therefore, you and I as his children. Yes, there's a lot of temptation around us, but lift up your eyes. Raise your vision and your expectation. Understand that anything fulfilling, anything worthwhile, anything that's good and proper, it's found in him. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above. We understand what it says in 1 John 1, 5. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And so as believers, we refocus on continually developing a relationship with God. Refocus daily on submitting to God's word, submitting to God's spirit. And this allows more of God's light to shine in you and through you, filling you with light, with love, with liberty, with understanding. God, the father of lights, the giver of every good gift and every perfect gift. And when we submit to that light in the love of God that's inside of us, it will dispel the shame, the darkness. We remember he's faithful. <laughs> and we can activate the replacement of whatever that temptation is that has either enticed us or whether it's enslaved us. We can get deliverance from it because in Jesus Christ, there's freedom, there's liberty, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's progress in him. But temptation, we know where temptation begins, right here in the mind. And so that means if we can change our thinking, we can experience victory in Christ. In other words, fill your mind with other things like God's word, God's love, godly fellowship, 
It's important who you fellowship with. Fill your mind with words and information that will build you up and develop you as an individual. Because this is what we know. We cannot eliminate temptations, but we can manage them by what we focus our thinking on, by what we, who we surround ourselves with. Anyone who has trained a dog understands what I'm about to talk about. You're going to understand this scenario very quickly. You're training a dog to listen to you and not to give in to his natural <laughs> lust for food. Remember, food in and of itself is not bad, but obsessions with good things create bad things. It's normal to vibrate, but you got to make sure you're vibrating to the right thing and for the right reasons. But a piece of meat is placed on the floor in front of a dog, and the master says, no. Of which the dog understands exactly what the master means. Don't touch that nice, juicy, inviting, delicious, hunger-satisfying piece of meat. The dog knows exactly what the master does. But you see, there's something about the dog. If you even watch these things on YouTube, the dog will always take its eye off of the temptation and it will look into the face of the master because the dog understands if I don't take my eyes off the food, the temptation is going to be too great for me to resist. And so what he does is he fixes his gaze on the face of his master. My dear friends, that is a lesson from the dog for us to learn tonight. Always look to the master's face. I don't know what some of you may be facing, but I know you're facing some type of temptation because we're all human. And so whether it's the enticement or the entrapment or it's the endorsement or it's the enslavement, you're in some part of the process of resisting temptation. But right where you're sitting, why don't you just raise your hands right now? Why don't you just lift up your eyes to the hills from whence cometh your help? The psalmist said our help is only going to come from the Lord. I don't care what you're struggling with. You can look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. The psalmist said, Lord, you're my shield. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Right now, just begin to talk to the one who can lift your head. For some of you, the enemy has wanted you to feel like you are worthless. The enemy's been trying to get shame to overwhelm you because you've been giving in to temptation. But God right here is the lifter of your head. Allow the father of lights. Allow the one in whom there is no sin. Allow his love to permeate right now into your spirit. Allow the light of God's word and the power of God's spirit to lift you inside. That's it. Just begin to pray for another moment.
That's it. Right now, as you're praying, some of you are experiencing a lift right now. Yes, Lord. That's it. Some of you have been believing a lie from the enemy. Don't believe the lie of the devil when he whispers that your temptations and your struggles are a sign of your weakness. Hmm. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're struggling with, that people may know or they may not know, God knows and he says, I love you. God knows and he says, if you'll just come to me, I will forgive you because I'm faithful. Paul told us there's no temptation that has taken you that is common to man. Don't let the devil make you think that you're struggling with something that is an isolated situation. That you're the only one that's ever struggled with that. No, you're not. But God is faithful. <laughs> he's delivered others and he'll deliver you. He's freed others and he'll free you. He's lifted up others. He will lift up you if, if you will acknowledge the reality of temptation. If you will assume the responsibility for temptation and if you will anticipate the routine of temptation. If you will do that and then activate the replacement of temptation. Look to Jesus. Get in the word. Get it with godly friends and fellowship. People that can support you. Get accountability friends that you can confide in, you'll realize as good as that piece of meat looks, I'm looking to the Father. I'm looking to the Master. I'm going to avoid the trap. And then there's principle five. Accept the reason for temptation. It's not that you're so weak. We're going to see the reason for temptation is in James chapter 1, verse 18. Of his own, this is speaking of God, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I want to read this from another translation. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. In this verse, James reminds us of the why. He gives us the reason for temptation, the overarching one. We experience temptation because of who we are. You experience temptation because of who you are. Now, we could go through Scripture and we could identify very clearly, but let me just make a few statements that are tied to Scripture. Who are you? You 
are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are an overcomer. You are God's prized possession. You are a kind of the first fruits of his creatures. That's why you are a target for the enemy. Because he's wanting to get to God. But he knows he can't hurt God. He knows he can't destroy God. But if he can attack, if he can cause, rather, God's prized possession to sin, that's, that's some good satisfaction for the devil. And going back to a few verses here in closing, James chapter 1, verse 5 tells us that sin gave birth to death. But here... In this verse that we just read, James chapter 1, verse 18 states that God gave birth to you through the word of truth. Man, that's incredible. God made a body for himself and in Jesus Christ became the word of truth. That word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. And this word of truth paid the penalty for sin and redeemed us from the power of sin. Sin does not reign in your bodies because we have been redeemed. There's the word of truth that's in us. And this word of truth saved us. And now we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. And whom ye also trusted. After that you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom after also that you believed. You are sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Colossians 1.5 For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. When James writes and refers to his fellow believers his friends spread abroad, and to you and I, he refers to them as the first fruits of God's creation. He's reminding them, and by extension, he's reminding us tonight that we belong exclusively to God. We are the first fruits of his creatures. You see, Satan wants to get you out of the word of truth so he can get you into a world of trouble. And he'll do whatever he can to make that transition because you are God's prized possession. And so you've become a target of the enemy. So you just need to accept the reason for temptation. Don't believe the lie of the devil when he says, oh yeah, your temptations and your struggles are a sign that you're really not saved. And he begins to beat you up when the truth is your struggle is proof that you're close 
to God. Yes, you're human, so the struggle is real. Temptation's not going away. You learn to overcome it. But hear me, your sensitivity to sin is a gift from the Holy Spirit. There would be no inner battle if you were truly lost. <laughs> Only when you can sin without remorse, when you can sin with no experience of inner tension, only when sin becomes easy are you in real danger of being lost. But as long as there's that tension, as long as there's a remorse, listen, you're okay. So I just want to say to someone in closing, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, which walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Do not allow the enemy to beat you up if you give in to temptation. No, we're not condoning it, but we're acknowledging that temptation is real and we're understanding we're human. And so we're going to struggle at times. But James is teaching us tonight through his word that if you want to be victorious over temptation, you must acknowledge the reality of temptation you must assume the responsibility for temptation anticipate the routine of temptation activate the replacement for temptation and accept the reason for temptation if you will employ these principles in your life as a believer you're going to overcome temptation and you're going to be all that God wants you to be in him. You see, as you reach out and as you become more involved in the church and as we respond to pastor's invitation and, and encouragement to teach Bible studies and to be more engaged, hey, the devil's coming after you in any way he can. But understand how he works and you don't have to give in to that. And so as we stand to our feet, I just want to close with having you focus on one of these principles. You see, we're all at different places in our journey. And so depending upon where you are, now right now, some of us may be perfectly fine. There's no temptation. Thank God. Amen. Hallelujah. Keep drinking your coffee, tea, your Coke, whatever. Enjoy it. But get ready. <laughs> you, if you're there right now, then principle number one is for you, okay? <laughs> Acknowledge the reality of temptation. You may not be feeling it right now, but it's there, and he's just waiting to pounce. He's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He needs permission. He needs you to make a mistake, and then he's going to come in. And so what I want us to do before I turn it over to pastor is I want you to think where you're at with temptation and which principle do you need to focus on right here, right now. You see, some of you may be giving in, but you're in denial. It's not my fault. It, it was that situation. If, no, 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 listen. Principle number two is for you to pray in just a moment. You need to assume the responsibility of temptation. 
Don't try to reason it away, give an excuse, acknowledge it, accept it, and then know this is, I, I need prayer, I need support. So I just want you to look at these four principles for a moment. Which one do you need to focus in on right now? Are you at the place where you need to activate the replacement of temptation? Because you're already in it. And this is vicious cycle. It's like the hamster on the wheel. <laughs> but you can get off that if you just allow the Spirit of God, the Word of God to refocus you right here and right now. And so as you've been just looking at this, just close your eyes and begin to talk to God right now. Just be so honest. You know, at times people say be honest with God. Well, <laughs> you can't really be honest with God. It's being honest with yourself. He already knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. So when we're really being honest with God, the truth is we're being honest with ourselves. Where are you? And like I said, if you're okay right now, if God brings someone to your mind, just start praying for them. Because we are our brother's keeper. And let's just pray right now. Father, I thank you for this time, for this opportunity that you've given us to be in your presence. I thank you, dear God, for this family of God. Lord, that loves you so very much. I thank you for the power of your word that is able to liberate us and set us free. I thank you, Lord, for what you did earlier in this Bible study, Lord, where you lifted, Lord, some condemnation, some shame off of some of us, dear God, that the devil's been abusing. And I pray, Lord, as we're just praying these principles into our spirit, dear God, focusing on the one that, Lord, is most appropriate for us right here, right now. Lord, I pray that through the power of your spirit, let there be, God, an impartation right now. Let there be a lifting in our spirit. Let us recognize right here, right now, that you, God, have confirmed your word. And Lord, there has been a performance of your word in our person, in our lives right here, right now. And God, we thank you for that. And we worship you and we bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. God loves you with an everlasting love. No matter where, where some of you have been, no matter what you've done, God loves you with an everlasting love. And tonight, he's just reminded some of us and given us his word. There's five principles for overcoming temptation. Practice them, and you will live a more consistent life of victory in Christ. I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much, Pastor, for the opportunity to share the word of God. God bless you in Jesus' name.